Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hi, Church Planter. This is Pete Mitchell. This is Peyton Jones. <laughs> you know, I think it was funnier when you told me that's how we needed to start it than when it was when we actually did it. I think so. And you're listening to the Church Planner podcast? <laughs> For real? Every every week now, we have to lead into it with a different emotion. So like next week it has to be anger. You're listening to the, you know, almost like Batman. You know, I I kind of like that. I kind of like that. Or or we could do uh, either the old Hulk or the new Hulk. Ooh, ooh, smart Hulk. Yeah, I like that. I mean, either way, we could go either way on that. <laughs> hey, um, this week's episode is being brought to you by MoGive. Wait, no, never mind. Whoa, <laughs> sorry. Whoa, I, was, I just I was went back in time by a couple years. <laughs> I used to love how we'd go places and people would start singing. No gift to us. <laughs> like hey, just, like I said, I got it at Exponential this year. I was in, oh, that, did you? in that room. Yeah, I had Ralph Moore and uh, Francis Chan. And when I introduced myself, someone went, Mogive, M-O-G-I-V, in the audience. It was rad. <laughs> That's so funny. Shout out to old school fans of the podcast. And then if they sold their company, and our guy left, and then pff, it went to pot. Yeah, he, yeah. so hey, if, if you're if you're new here, I was thinking about this. I went camping. You know, I was thinking about things, Pete. I was just thinking. I was thinking about those that come here first time, and they're like, man, what in the heck have I gotten into? Listen, Pete and I have kind of like this these, philosophy. These guys aren't Christian. They no, can't be Christian. And they definitely can't teach me about church planning, dang it. So here's the thing. Um, we we basically we, we we screw around for thirty minutes because we think you need to laugh, and 
that's the deeper, more spiritual reason. You know, we figured you're a church planner. Uh, you've got a hard life. You you probably don't laugh much. That's the spiritual reason. But the the actual reason is that Pete and I just, we like to have fun on here. <laughs> so 30 minutes in, you'll actually get church planning goodness, like the licking of a Tootsie Roll Pop. How many licks does it take to get to the center of the Church Planner podcast? I don't know, but it takes One, 30 minutes. A two. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, no millennial is going to have any idea what you just referenced there with that. Like, won't happen. They'd have to know oh. about, I'm just a bill up on Capitol <laughs> Hill. Yeah. I'm only a bill. Yeah, now I'm sitting through committee. It's a pretty hard place. And they won't oh, get yeah, it. Oh, yeah, hoping I pray that I will. But today I'm still just a bill. Dude. We had a great childhood. I don't care what we, anyone says. It, it was amazing, dude. I mean, like, you know, I was just talking with, I, I took my uh, my daughter into uh, kind of like get acquainted with kindergarten day. You know, you go into the classroom and she gets to look around. And uh, she had this bearded dragon just like sitting on the desk, like nothing out of the ordinary. And so I go over there and I'm geeking out on it and picking it up and she tells me, oh, because I said, oh, I have a desert tortoise, and I'm nuts for this tortoise. Like, if my tortoise goes missing, I know we've talked about it. Andrea calls it my my mistress. She's little mama. One day she'll grow up into big mama. And, you know, if she goes missing, dude, like, I go nuts. Like, I go crazy looking for her. And I'll look for an hour, like, worried she got out of the yard because we just let her do her thing. And she creates burrows. And my worst fear is that somebody's going to either let her out the gate because they're fast. No, but you know, like leave the gate open. And, uh, and, and so like, even when the construction is going on here, I gave all those builders a lecture, like you will not lose my tortoise. You will not leave the gate open. If you lose my tortoise, you're fired. Like you're done, you know, like no joke, like made it. So they, they literally would be like, Hey, 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 close the gate. There's a tortoise, man. Like if someone else is coming on the job, it's hilarious. <laughs> but anyway, so she told me, uh, my, my daughter's, uh, kindergarten teacher, she told me that the, uh, she goes, Oh, my husband had one since he was a baby and he inherited it. Like when his parents got old and she goes, and I, and, and I said, Oh, you know, what was its name? And she said, Paunch. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so you gotta know chips back in Punch like the seventies, there were three names in the seventies that were equal to ultimate coolness. Like, there was none cooler than the holy trinity of Arthur T. Fonzarelli, Evil Knievel, and Poncharelli. Officer Poncharelli. Was it Poncharello? We, we just called him Ponch. Poncharelli. Right? I remember them saying that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember Eric Estrada. Yeah. yeah, Eric Estrada, man. He was, uh, he was like, 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 like coolness on two legs, you know, and uh, <laughs> because, you know, by day he was like this amazing, you know, CHP officer that, that saved that babies out how, of fires. That was how the rest of the country learned that we don't have state troopers in California. We right? got chips. Oh, we yeah, got the man. highway patrol. California highway patrol. We and all I can tell you is when I see those guys in my neighborhood, Parked like they're staking out a stop sign, like they're going to catch everyone doing a California roll. All I can think to myself is, 
You are a chipper. Get off my street and get back on the freeway. This Eat is not for chipper. you. <laughs> you know, like the old games. I live in movies. unincorporated Orange County. Only the sheriff belongs here. The rest of y'all get out of my neighborhood. That's rad. It's That's true. Right. Yeah. You have no jurisdiction here. You, you have, have no jurisdiction. Get back on the freeway. Get out nice. of my neighborhood. Oh, I've been waiting all my life to use that line. You have no jurisdiction here. <laughs> well, they are chips, so I think they can go anywhere like a statey. But they... Dude, hey, go, can they go, go back anywhere? to the freeway. Hey, can they go anywhere? Dude, like, no joke. So I when I was a kid, I, I went to this high school called Marina. It was in Huntington Beach. And it's surrounded, no joke, on two sides by a moat. Right. So it was it was always kind of people called the dungeon or the, you know, the prison or the island or whatever. So we had to go across bridges to get on on and off campus. So and it was it was literally like an irrigation ditch. Right. Got to love California. So uh, we, we anyways. But so when you went off campus, you could go. There was a park connected to the baseball soccer field. And you could sneak out that way, but it took forever. You had to ha- go a whole block in in the direction of the, of, of the wrong way. The other way to get kids out was you had a lunch pass to go home. I never had one, so uh, we had to smuggle each other out. So like I I never got to smuggle others. I always had to be smuggled. So you would get in people's trunks. You would you know get in the back with a blanket on the floor, and you'd lay as flat as you could. And, There'd be people checking to make sure you you could get off the bridge, and um, you know to keep kids in. But there was uh, the, there was uh, a CHP officer that used to come around and patrol, and there was this place across the street called King's Pizza. Now King's Pizza were like accomplices to this crime because they made a killing from high school students who used their lunch pass. It said you could only go home. And they'd skirt right on over to King's Pizza and get that like high school lunch deal, you know, or like for a buck twenty-five, you could get a small Coke and a slice of pizza. And every once in a while there'd be a raid. So that the the CHP guy would come up uh the from the alley behind it and he would come through the back door because it started when he come out the front, everyone run out the back door and you go two different directions. You had a 50-50 chance and he can only detain one. So he started coming through the back door. Well, one of these days, he he came up in, against a guy named David Brown. And David Brown was the fastest kid in our school. He was a total pothead, total druggie. But he was so stinking fast. He literally, and I, and I saw this happen. I actually watched it happen. I see him turn across the bridge and he's cutting through like planners and all that, you know, like he, he totally jaywalks, streaks across the, the, the road, goes through the bridge. That's, that's the tricky part. I see like he literally is like he jumps up on cars because he was a pole vaulter, a hurdler. He is booking. He is not going to get caught. He's jamming, and he did not get caught, by the way. Like, the the story ends. It's amazing. This is what he does. I see him going, and he's running up and over cars. Like, he's not even going like around parkour? cars. Oh, hardcore, dude. It was no, amazing. parkour. Oh, oh, absolutely. Before it was a thing. Yeah. yeah. And he runs. This, poli- this, this motorcycle cop, you have to understand, not only was our school weird in that it had, like, moats around it, it also had, hey, welcome to Church Planner Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Um, it also had uh, something called the bowl. So all of the buildings were in a giant square. 
And the middle of these buildings, it made this giant open area that had an amphitheater in it. So David Brown, like everybody that sees this happening, they can see the cop coming across the bridge and they're like, oh, and everybody runs, you know, like back when a fight broke out. Everyone goes, fight, fight, fight. And they all run in the same area, right? So now there's this ginormous crowd, like, like, like the feeding of the 5,000. They're all chasing after David. And this motorcycle cop is like, whoa, and he's got his sirens going. He goes through the, across the bridge, through the parking lot, and he's booking. And he drives through all these kids, right? That slows him down a bit. Dave runs through the bowl. Now, the cop can't go through the bowl. So he starts going around. And he you can see, like, he's almost going to intercept David, David Brown. It's, like, so close. David literally, like, he jumps off this planter. Because the back of the amphitheater is, like, this, you know, four-foot-high planter. He jumps off this planter slips into the the door like maybe you know 11 12 feet away from that planner into the cafeteria the cop literally i make no joke takes his motorcycle goes vroom, 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 starts adjusting it goes into the cafeteria on his motorcycle <laughs> now david brown gets away okay so so this cop has to be all kinds of busted Right, like he's totally jeopardizing kids, just even being in the bowl area. But then to go into the cafeteria during lunch hour on his bike, and the uh, and David Brown, what he did is he he he's so fast, dude. He literally went through the lunch line. There's no way that motorcycle's getting through there. Goes through the lunch line because the lunch line's through this like little hallway tunnel thing. Goes through there totally books through the kitchen goes out the backside i have no idea what happened to him. i heard the story later that that's because i saw him disappear into the cafeteria he went through the kitchen out the back never seen again by that cop. Wow. <laughs> and weren't nobody talking about who that was yeah no so, kidding right it was it was epic dude but to watch a motorcycle the cop, way you were describing that the bowl and the door all I could think of is the original Superman when he outruns the train. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it looks like yeah. they're going to intersect. He's like, nope. Woo! Jumps right yep. past the train. Yep. Oh, dude. And he barely, I'm telling you, like, he would have he would have been toast if, uh, if well, see, and here's the thing. Like, how was that cop going to actually grab him on his bike? You know? Oh, like, dude, was he was like, ticked that he was being defied. That's what he was right. ticked about. Right? How dare you defy me? I'm a cop. And knowing David Brown, like it, David Brown was kind of a legend. He he got us all banned. Like I was in the druggie. I was not a druggie, but I was in the in the flunk out of school druggie. Um, almost sent to military academy or Wintersburg just because I never went to class. Like I cut class my entire uh, junior year or sophomore year. I don't remember one of those years. I, I so they put me in the in the druggie PE and. Um, and, and it was supposed to be that you weren't supposed to be able to run away. Um, so it, it had like heightened security, so you couldn't ditch. And so they put all these kids in this one class. Well, David Brown, they, they decided swimming would be a good idea for this class. And David Brown, um, I can't remember what he did, but he, he freaked everybody out so much on the, on the high dive. He went up to the like giant high dive and he was doing all these tricks and they said, ah, no more swimming. So, um, cause he, he was defiant. I mean, that was the thing. If they told him not to do something, he finds something else. So he got us, he kind of got us banned from everything. So. Wow. He actually led a teacher to have a meltdown. I think I told you about that time that 
um, she, she got fired because she, she stood up in front of us and screamed, uh, in this PE class. And if you think you can do that to me, she bends over and points to her butt and goes, you can cast this. (laughs) (laughs) It was not a good day for her. It was the best day of our lives. And, uh, yeah, so that was, yeah, that's rough when you, when you, uh, (laughs) should be respected, but you really feel like you're owed it and, and probably rightly so. When you don't get it, it can be a bit of a an ego blow for sure. Well, that was a thing. This was a rough class. I felt bad for her. You know, I was a Christian at the time, and like I said, I just I just cut class all the time. I wasn't wasn't like I was acting, you know, bad doing anything. I never did anything to get me in trouble when I was a Christian. But um, funny enough, um, I actually just got back from a camping trip with my friend. That not only did I hear the gospel with, but was actually sitting right next to me when that happened. And um, yeah, we went on a on a. He invited me out to go to Silver Lake, just outside of Yosemite. Oh, nice. And, um, yeah, so it was really cool, man. It was really cool to have that week hanging out with him, and after all the stuff we went through, and just to geek out and laugh. The trippy thing was that when I first met him, like his mom had to sit in class because he was so bad. That, you know, we were like two of the worst kids in the school. That's how I came to faith was when the student teacher started praying for me. But he and I, like, I'll never forget going, I need to be that guy's friend. They made his mom sit in class with him for like months to make him behave. And uh, so I'd look over across the room and he'd be sitting there grinning with his mom sitting next to him. And that was just the funniest thing. But anyways, the trippy thing is, is that we both have 10-year-old girls and Watching those two get together, and they're sweet as can be, but but they both have wicked senses of humor. And just listening to them all week, giggling and cackling and cutting up, and just looked at him at one point and said, this is weird, man. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. So, uh, yeah, we're definitely going to have to do the episode on health, man. Yeah, when do you want to do that one? You want to do it today? No. No. Okay. No, no, I think our other topic is more uh, timely. The reason is that I want to do one on the health. Okay, so if you guys have been listening to this podcast, you know, I've got a highly addictive personality, which was really funny because last night uh, Jamie goes, okay, so I bought a glucose meter and a, a ketone meter. And so I was checking my uh, my levels yesterday, and she just goes, are you doing that because you're concerned about your health or are you doing that because your OCD is kicking in? I'm like, you didn't believe me that I said I had OCD, but it's totally because of that. I'm like, I'm just, I want to like check everything. So here, here's the thing, man. I was watching a documentary last night. I paid the the five bucks because I had Sunday afternoon to myself. I'm like, eh, what am I going to do? There's nothing... No movies on on Amazon that I haven't seen. So I watched this documentary called uh, called Fat, a documentary. Hmm. I was like getting livid watching that. Like to see all these organizations that are literally on the take that we look to for guidance. Like we wow. know politicians are on the take, but when you see yeah. it exposed, I was like, these guys, I was seriously getting upset. Like, wow, upset because I'm like, 
they've been lying to us our whole lives. They've been lying to me. Oh, like yeah. all the struggles. And, and so then, then what goes even worse. So I'm watching a, another documentary. Because, you know, why, why do we leave well enough alone? <laughs> why not just go in full bore? So I'm watching another one. I started it yesterday. And it's called uh, What the Health? And it's not um, like like this one definitely has an agenda. Like they, it's clear they have an agenda. Whereas the uh, the fat documentary, like they're showing you all the scientific studies. Like that's what I want to see. I want to see your your you know uh, controlled trials, your double blind test. Like that's what I want to see to know it's legit, not. You know, a study sponsored by uh, McDonald's, and it says, "Oh, by the way, hamburgers are great, right?" Well, yeah, it's, you got a biased person sponsoring you. Of course, you're gonna, you know, make that person happy, right? I, I want to see the legitimate studies. And so, this other one, what the hell? They weren't they weren't showing all that stuff. Um, so, a lot of things that they said directly contradicted everything else that I've been seeing or hearing. But the stuff that I could look at and I was like, okay, so no wonder the American Diabetes Association says what they say and the American Cancer Society says what they say. I'm like, they're totally on the take. Like it's been exposed. They're they're literally on the take from the very people that are basically contributing to these factors in America. And so of course they don't come out. And it's like blatantly obvious. Like when he's doing the interviews with these people, they're like, oh, we don't want to talk about that. Why don't you want to talk about that? I, I don't want to get argumentative. The guy's like, I'm, I'm not arguing with you. Why don't you want to talk about diet? We're not here to talk about diet. <laughs> like You're the American wow. Diabetes Association. You don't want to talk about diet? You're seriously <clears throat> going to still say that diet has nothing to do with why people get diabetes? Wow. And, it, it, and then you look at all their sponsors, and it's like every – of course, they're, they're, the main point of what the health is – Basically, all animal products are bad. That's that's what their point was. Right. And they weren't pointing to studies. That was one of the issues that I had with it. But one of the things that was like, it was so bad that I did have a, this could be a Michael Moore moment. Like, that's how bad this moment was in the documentary where I'm like, you know how Michael Moore is always making up crap? Like, he's literally making it up and going, oh, it's a documentary. It must be true. Right, right. So I kind of had that, that thought because it was so outlandish. So he's going to interview this one doctor at this hospital. And he'd been given permission to do it. And um, so he shows up to do the interview. And the the head of media relations says, yeah, I know you're going to do an honor, this interview with Dr. I don't know what his name was, you know, Dr. X. And uh, and we know that that he advocates, uh, if, you know, for a low carb or, you know, diet changes. I don't think it was even low carb. I think it was just diet changes. And um, but. You know, here at the hospital, we make money off of these procedures, and so does the doctor. And so we can't do anything to hurt that or jeopardize the hospital's business. So we we can't allow this to to happen here on hospital property. And it was like, you literally said that. Now, granted, I don't think you realized he was recording you, but you were literally blatant about it. Like, we make money off of people who have medical issues, and we don't really want you to know how to get better. We just want you wow. to keep having medical issues so we can keep treating them. Well, you can kind of see that like when now if you go in, um, you you go in um, to talk about the problem. Then they schedule uh, a test or another appointment. Then you got to come back to go over the test. Then they send you to a, a 
uh, they schedule you to come back and talk over the test and they schedule to, to rather than just call them up and say, Hey, I got this problem. Where should I go? There's like three visits, man. Oh yeah. Like, you know, and and it's each time they're like, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. And it's, it's just, it's not a good use of my time. I mean, it's, I barely go to the doctor, man, because such a, I have a PPO, so I can technically just walk in. Like I went to an eye doctor the other day, just walked in, boom, you know, but still the way it's done typically is it's, it's to rake as much money out of you as they can. I'll never forget. I went, I went once to, uh, get my physical when I work for Nam mm. and I had to do an annual physical. I walk in there. It's free, free, free annual physical. <clears throat> I go in there. Doctor asked me at the end of the physical, uh, are you experiencing any problems? I go, you know, actually now that you ask, I do have this and that. She goes, Oh, okay. Um, so she, uh, I think she did something, referred me to something or whatever. So I get this bill and I billed for the physical. And I said, well, you know, Hey, um, and then she, bills me for the uh, the other thing as well. And and I said, hey, uh, call him up. I said, hey, I was I was supposed to get a free physical. She goes, no, no, no. It it turned to a treatment when you um when you uh when you, you when know, you ask for for advice. Yeah, like like when she asked you, is everything okay? Is there anything else you need to talk about or bothering you? And I go, whoa, 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 whoa. But I still get my free physical because I get a free. No, no, no. Because the whole appointment, I said, well, then why are you charging me? Then just charge me for the physical. Well, no, no, no. Because it was a treatment too. And I was like, and I told her, I told her straight up, you're not getting that money. (laughs) Boom. It's not happening. I'm going to fight you on it. So uh, it became a big deal. And um, yeah, so it it is, it is a way to gouge you. It was so dishonest. I, I told her, I just said, Hey, that's dishonest. You guys, you're trying to steal my money. That's not right. You know? Oh my Crazy. gosh, man. That's, that's, that's infuriating on so many levels. Like the, the documentary that I really liked got guys, two documentaries that I'd highly recommend. One is uh, the one that kind of started it off for me, um, which was uh, fed up. And that's on Netflix, at least it was, you know, last month. Uh, and then the one I watched yesterday, Fat, a documentary. They had this this one father who, uh, he's a big-time director in Hollywood. Like, he directed Airplane and a, a bunch of other movies from back in our day. And um, his, his son got uh, epilepsy and was having seizure after seizure at like a year and a half. And so they're going to all these doctors. They went to six different doctors. They're trying all this medication and nothing's helping. And so he decides to go to the the hospital library and just by chance, like the book he picks open and starts reading says, you know, uh, a ketogenic diet um, fixes epilepsy in children by like some astonishing percentage. It was like 40% will not have seizures anymore. And he's like, why didn't any doctor tell me this? And so they go home and uh, he, or he calls the doctor who was like in charge of that study in whatever state they were in. He tells him about his son, Charlie. And um, you know, doctor says, okay, bring him out here. We'll, we'll, you know, test him and put him on this diet. And they do that within two days. He stops having seizures, which he'd been having them all the time. Right. I mean, just all the time. And uh, within, I think it was two months, he was off all medications by changing his diet. And now, you know, dad is like 
livid, like pissed livid. Like I went and saw six experts and no one told me change his diet. And um, they, I don't know how they did it, but somehow they got the main doctor to agree to do an interview on camera. And so the guy who's interviewing him is like, you know, why didn't you tell him about this? And the doctor goes, well, because I, I didn't feel that we had exhausted all the the medical options. Like apparently, nutrition is not a medical option, right? I mean, that's, right. that's not a medical option. What, as far what as they mean concerned. is a drug. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what he means. Yeah, and he goes, well, okay, but you know, this particular doctor is having a fifty to seventy percent success rate by changing their diet to this ketogenic diet. Um, which which one of the medications that he's ever tried or that you know of that helps this issue? has a 50 to 70% success rate. And the doctor's like, well, none of them. <laughs> it's like, are you stinking kidding me? Like, th- oh my gosh. This yeah. this is literally what's going on out there. And I'm, I'm yeah. literally looking back over my life going, okay, all these health issues I've ever had. Yep. And no one ever said, well, it's probably the diet. Mm. Like wow. everything you've ever heard about health and diet and it's all about calories in calories out and exercise and it's all baloney like this one guy they're interviewing i mean he's like a a, you know really well-respected doctor and this is you know 50 70 years ago something like that maybe not 70 years ago because they were still interviewing him he's still alive uh he's gonna go up and do some work with the uh, the eskimos and he's like i'm gonna die because there's nothing green to eat and I've been told I got to eat vegetables. I mean, we all know you got to eat vegetables. And all these people ever eat is fish when it's fish season and elk when it's winter. That's it. They're just eating meat all the time. I'm going to die. <laughs> and he goes, after four months of that, he goes, I've never been in better health in all my life. <laughs> He's like, what is going on here? This is totally against everything that I've ever been taught. And it just like exposes all of this stuff that is just. Oh man, it's it's mind blowing. So we have to do something on health because, I mean, I've had a major shift in everything that I do, everything that I eat. I mean, you know this about me. I, I'm literally down fifty pounds, yeah. like fifty pounds. That's yeah. not a little. That's a lot. Yeah. I mean, I still got another fifty to go, but it's actually not even close to being difficult. No. It is like melting off. I am never hungry. I've never felt better. I've got more energy. I never felt bad before. I just didn't know how good I could feel. Right. That's what everybody says. That's what everybody says when they start changing up is, I just just didn't know I could feel. I didn't know that I didn't feel good. Yep. You know, I didn't know. I didn't know what good felt like. Yep. So that's that's rad, man. I can't wait to have that because I I do think um, on Ministry Ninja, I just did a whole podcast with Mac Lake. Like, that's been his thing for 20 years. He was telling me the other day, he's like, I hadn't had a soda in like 16, 17 years. Wow. <laughs> he accidentally drank one thinking, you know, or, or took a sip of a, of a Sprite thinking it was a sparkling water. And he says on this Ministry Ninja podcast, he goes, I, I, I couldn't believe I used to actually drink that and thought it tasted good. He said, yeah. it, I wanted to spit it out. It tasted so gross. Yeah. Because he just, he hasn't had those sugars in years, you know. So um, I'll look forward to that topic. That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. So one day, guys, we're going to get to that. But until then, watch those other documentaries. Mm-hmm. It'll blow your mind. Now, I'm not saying anything is, I'm not a doctor, right? And, and 
and the other thing too that I think is really important to point out is everybody's body is different. Right. And you cannot take like one thing and apply it to the entire population or, you know, it's going to apply to everyone. It's just not the way our bodies work. Right. But I'll tell you this, man, I am not just going in there and just buying everything that has been shoved down our throats. Cause like, this is a great example. So this one software engineer, they have him on the, the fat documentary. He's like, you know, they're, I just doing self-study on, uh, uh, um, what do you call it? Uh, cholesterol. And he goes, so I just decided to do my own personal test. So he, he takes his, his, his numbers. He gets a, you know, a lab to do his numbers, shows his cholesterol. And he goes on a high fat diet for three days. The thing that everyone says, no, that's going to drive up your cholesterol. Goes on a high fat diet for three days, over 5,000 calories a day. Gets his numbers done again. All of his cholesterol numbers bottom. Like they are just way down. The exact opposite. And so then he repeats it with his friends. He gets his friends to do it. And the same thing happens to them. And so like one of their points was they go, there's an inverse relationship. Your body needs cholesterol. And so if you don't eat enough, your body makes it. And if you eat enough, then your body doesn't make it. And that's that was the point that they were trying to make of the inverse relationship. So all the statins, this whole industry of statins, $35 billion a year in statin drugs, they don't want you eating to fix that. They want you to take the drug, which has huge implications on your body. And I'm not telling you guys to go out and do this because, again, you know, talk to your doctor. Find a good one. <laughs> talk to your doctor. But I'm just saying it's eye-opening. and. Right. Go into it with your eyes open and and do some research and test all this different stuff. See what's going to work well with your body and and the chemistry that's going on in yourself. It's just, man, my my eyes are like, whoa, what is going yeah. on here? So yeah, you yeah. know, totally, man. And I think that uh, you know that there's a there's more of a connection between the mind, body, and spirit than people ever want to uh, give credence to. I mean, you know, Elijah, when he is like, God, I just want to die, God basically tells him, get some sleep and eat some good food and uh, drink some water. And uh, so, you know, God's answer isn't, you know, he does then give him a rad vision, but um, but his first thing is like, hey, you're a wreck, man. You need rest and you need food. And after that, we'll talk. And yeah. uh, so, you know, and a lot of guys, um, I would say that often ministry is detrimental to people's health. That it, They actually come out much more unhealthy yeah, um, from being that. in ministry and feeling like everything else is more important. You know, the Lord's work is more important. And you overlook yourself because obviously God's work is more important than you. So you don't go to the gym or you don't run or you don't walk or you don't because I've got all these important man of God stuff to do, you know? Yeah. So well, yeah. They, they even had this one psychologist or psychiatrist. I don't remember which on uh, the fat documentary. And, you know, she's talking about her practice and everyone that she works with and all that. And she was having all these health issues. And uh, so she goes on, um, a diet change. I think she did a ketogenic diet as well. I'm not hundred percent on that. And like all of her medical issues started going away. And then the clarity that was coming back to her mind. And she's like, you know, all these years that I studied 
to help people, you know, with with psychology and and all of that and all the drugs that you know she's prescribing to people, and she's like, "What if a lot of it could be fixed with your diet?" Right. And and I remember talking with uh, one of our church planners, who um, like one of the things that he struggles with is he's bipolar. And so he'll he'll you know go through these these highs and lows, and he goes, and I've learned that when I start to feel a certain way, I need to start eating, you know, these other foods over here. And I can't remember what he said, right? Um, because I there's something going you know haywire in me physically, and um, and a lot of the the mental health issues and stuff that that we're running into today. I wonder how much of it is tied back to our nutrition, right, and, and what right. we're putting in ourselves. So. You know, and there's, you know, it's never just one thing. Like if we look at psychology or psychiatry, no, yeah, yep. There's different yep. factors, but hundred um, because like emotional trauma, you know, like uh, things like that can really damage and fracture psyches and this and that. But you're right when it comes to treatment. Um, you know, this is one of the things as an RN that they would teach that we are biopsychosocial spiritual beings. And that was the, the terminology. And RNs are, are a lot, a lot of times, so I'm use this word and I know it's a trigger word for some, but RNs are always a little more holistic, right? They look at you the think? bigger picture. <clears throat> yeah. Hmm. More so than a doctor. I mean, okay. We, we're still, you know, a, a, a part of the Western med system, which isn't evil completely. Like, no, it's just different. I like, would have died had I not had my gall splat, my gallbladder surgery. I right. had gangrenous gallbladder. If they hadn't right. taken that thing out, I would have died. And we're talking about corruption and greed, and it's found everywhere. It's found in the church. I mean, when you got like TV preachers that are self-proclaimed billionaires, and you know, net worth is. 150 million, you know, you're, yeah, there's corruption everywhere because people, you know, but so in the medical, you're going to find the same, but it's interesting because like one of the things, it looks like we're having the health talk today, um, but no, it, we'll actually it, get to our topic here in a minute. Well, no, no, we, we've been going 45 minutes. No, <laughs> so we're, we're, look at the timer. It's only 36. Are, we've only, oh, okay. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll jump track then, but. But like Western Med, everything's about ABCs, you know, airway, breathing, and circulation. So it's all centered on the blood. Eastern medicine is all centered on the central nervous system. So mm. you're looking at like the spinal, you know, the nerves. So for them, they would say, oh, Pete, you know, you're, you're feeling this way. Rather than, um, you know, looking at, you know, okay, let's look at its function. Let's give you a drug to stimulate whatever. They would say, well, you know what we think, and, and it's just the hermeneutic. It's everything is interpreted through ABCs for yeah. Western med. And for Eastern med, it's, they would say, oh, well, your liver's not functioning right because you have poor uh, electrical conductivity to that organ. And so if you would open up the channels of your central nervous system there, and this is what will do that. And they will often prescribe it's still a, a, a drug therapy, but it might be more of a herbal, you know. And by the way, that people assume that Eastern medicine is more holistic than Western. It's not. It's the same thing. It doesn't matter if if a if a factory makes your drug. It's all drugs are made from unless it's synthetic, but those are rare. Unless it's in some way, shape, or form, it's something taken from an animal or a plant that they've made into a capsule. Uh, mixed with a bunch of other crap. 
And the same with Eastern Med. It's something taken from an animal or a, or a, you know, put this chicken claw in your soup, <laughs> you know, if it's like an, a tribal remedy. But all medicine is basically taking animal and, and, and vegetable products and having you ingest them in some form. And so, you know, it, it, that's always what we tend to do. Um, but, you know, w- with RN, so going back to my original point, an RN tends to look at, like, because we don't have the ability to prescribe drugs. So the average RN is taught um, to be a little suspect of just throwing a drug at everything. You're meant to focus on treatment. So when I was an RN, that that was where the biggest headbutts would come in with doctors. Like, I don't take drugs. Just so you guys know, like, I'll probably in one year take maybe six Advils and that's it. Mm. Right. I went into, um, I, I was having this, it's this weird thing that I get with my GI and I've told Pete about it. So it's not really for polite company, but, um, I get this weird GI thing. So I went to a doctor. She diagnosed it. They did exploratory surgery. They figured it out. She goes, yeah, that's what I thought you had. Yada, yada. And she goes, and you need to take this. And it was like Metamucil or something like that. I just looked at her and said, look, and I'm an RN. I know what happens if I do that. My body adjusts to it, and then I need it. And because I've I've dealt with so many, like, patients that had issues when they're on Medimu, and I said, uh, so I'm not going to do that. And she just kind of looked at me and said, well, what are you going to do? I said, well, I was kind of hoping you could tell me what I could change in my diet, you know? And she goes, oh, well, okay. Well, you can do this, and you can do that, and here's a form, and here's a paper, and read this, and check this disease out. That's what you have. You know, I'll give you a paper before you leave. And then she goes, but I'm still going to write you this prescription and I need you to take, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she looks at me. I don't say anything. I'm just looking at her and she goes, you're still not going to take it, are you? <laughs> I go, nope. <laughs> so she, you know, and, and it's it just like a doctor will learn that about our end. You're a terrible patient because you, you know better. You know mm-hmm. That it's treatment. That's the power that I have as an RN that, you know, a, a doctor will often, because, brother, I can tell you, like, I remember being in the hospital and all the doctors are gone. Well, where are the doctors gone? Well, the pharmaceutical company came today and they've got that ginormous uh, barbecue down on the golf course and all the doctors yep. are invited and getting wine and dine. And that's how it works, man. They do that because they say, we want you to use this drug. And, you know, I, I've seen that from the other side. We'll probably get some hate mail today because of this, because probably a doctor or somebody, I, I assume some of our listeners are in the health field. And they're going to be like, hey, I'm mad at this. And others will be like, amen, brother, you know, preaching to the choir here. Well, and the thing is, I don't think there is a, a one-size-fits-all. Like, I, I was out to lunch with a, and I guess this is going to be the health <laughs> topic podcast. I guess so. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. Uh, w- uh, wait, here, here we go. Great Scott, it's time for this week's topic. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. As if we were before you already. get down to it, hold that thought for a second because I I do want to say this. Um, I think did I mention on this podcast about Wesley how he had um he had written a medical one. textbook? I think he did the last one. Okay, uh, but I mean, I, okay, so I've mentioned that. So those of you that don't know, Wesley wrote a medical textbook because he wanted his circuit writers to be lean, mean, preaching machines. He wanted them to be tough. So he would teach them all this stuff that he had observed in his own body. And of course, he read, but, you know, ancient, the, the older textbooks, some of them were really funny, and he had some funny stuff in there. But he believed that if you did not take care of your body, that you were actually sinning against God. 
because you were limiting the effectiveness. You were cutting short your lifespan. And I know like people are like, oh, Lord, you know, like the Lord knows the exact number of my days, you know, as they're stuffing their faces at, you know, Chick-fil-A or wherever it is, um, eating all the greasy fries. And, oh, the Lord knows, you know, you know, give me another another plate of grits, you know. But the the reality is that Don't, um, no one say nothing bad about my grits. <laughs> but, you know, David says, teach us to number our days aright. And, and that term means teach me how to live, like teach me how to live to the max. Teach me how to maximize the effectiveness of my life, the impact of my life. Um, you, you can't do that if you've cut your life short by 20 years. Um, both my parents died very young because, you know, I love them both the bits um, and they're with the Lord, but they made really dumb life choices when it comes to health. Um, and they neither one of them was fat. You know, they, they, they made other life choices. My, my, my dad basically drank his organs to mush and my mom smoked all her life. Mm. And, you know, they, it, it killed them both and it killed them fast and it killed them young. And, you know, so I'm, I'm the byproduct of kind of like, Hey, I don't want to do that. And it's funny how you're saying, like, I put on so much weight when I first got into ministry. Like, I was huge. We've got this one picture. It's the funniest thing. It's us in Mexico building a house, and I'm huge. And I've never been huge in my life. I can't imagine you huge, actually. Oh, I'm. it's funny. Like, the picture comes out, like, and we just laugh. Like, that's so funny. Oh, my gosh. And I've got, like, this bleach blonde hair. It's funny as heck. And... (laughs) And I'm like 23. Of course, it was my first year of marriage. My wife is feeding me like crazy. But it it also, it, it just, it's embarrassing. Like, I look back and I'm ashamed. But when I went back to work as an RN in the hospital, it just all came off. And I was eating, but I was walking, like, the hospital floor all day, right? And all that to say, um, Andrea, when I got married to her, like my diet changed. She practically made me a piscatarian at one stage. Like I'm, I'm not a piscatarian. I'll have beef occasionally. I'll have. Um, I have chicken. no idea what a piscatarian is. It's, it's a person who it's like a vegetarian, but they eat fish and they eat eggs. And um, so, like a vegan wouldn't eat, you know, even like any dairy right. or you right. know. But but like a um, a piscatarian will eat fish and eggs. So that's kind of closest to what I am. Chicken grosses me out. I can't. I can't eat really much chicken nowadays because well, I just find it gross. Chicken is foul. <laughs> <laughs> but but anyways, for me, I went off dairy years ago because I started ex- experiencing issues with dairy at about you know twenty twenty one. Now I got kids and they're eating butter toast all the time. And dang it, I have to have a bite occasionally. So that's my that's my downfall. But um, but a lot for me is just you know I, I'm not huge. I'm not super in shape either though because I don't work out enough. But that's something that this year I've kind of been like, okay, I got to get that under underway because I adopted my first child at 35, my second one at 40. So we went through all those years of infertility trying. And at this point, it's kind of like I'm doing the math, and I'm like, I got to be around. Yep. You know, I can't do to my kids what my parents did to me. Yep. Unintentionally, no, I, mine. They were good people, but no, no, yeah, I, I, no. I get it. I understand it completely. I, I, I probably understand better than most. I mean, here's one of the things that I had always been told my whole life growing up. Now, I don't think my my dad understood 
what he was saying to me, like how I was hearing what he was saying. But my whole life, I always heard men in our family don't live past 72. Like that was just the accepted thing. And I'm like, so you're telling me I'm going to be dead by the time I'm 72, right? So wh- why do I even care? <laughs> you know, you, you're basically telling me I'm not living past 72. So, you know, like that was the mentality. And of course now he's like, I think he's 74. I can never remember how old my parents right. are, but, um, but I, I do, I look at the health of my parents. Uh, I look at, I've got young kids. I look at what we feed my kids and I'm like, man, okay, we do what we do because that's what we always did. Like Jamie and I always did as parents and how we ate. And now I'm like changing things and I'm like, man, I feel so much better. And I look at issues that we've had health wise with the kids, health wise with us. And I'm like, how much of this was because of, diet like and it makes sense on some level like what's the number one thing we do to our body it's what we stick in it right, right. it's it's yeah the, sure. the nutrients and when you believe well it doesn't really matter what you stick in it just as long as you stick enough in for your body to function meaning calories then you know on one level it kind of well that doesn't matter to you well as you know as long as long as i'm eating the calories that i need then it'll work but when you find out yeah but your body doesn't treat calories equally it doesn't treat fat the same as it does sugar. No, it doesn't treat because there's protein. nine calories per gram of fat, and there's four calories uh, per gram of protein and, and carbohydrate. But also how it processes it. Of course, yeah. So uh, you know the two biggest uh, chemicals in your body that that make you fat are insulin and yep. uh, cortisol. Right? Is it cortisol? Is that the the stress one? What's the stress one? Mm-hmm. Cort- yep, it's cortisol. Yeah, yeah. cortisol. And um, so anything that that causes the insulin spike, which, you know, I, I said this on a couple episodes ago, you know, when, when I watched that Fed Up documentary and they're like, look, a 22 ounce uh, Coke, it's going to take you running four and a half miles to burn that off because the 22 or the, the grams of sugar in there immediately, right. you know, your body releases insulin to handle that. It's, it's immediate. And so you have to go run four and a half miles of burnout. It's not about the calories. What people don't realize is that your body, when it does an insulin dump like that, it can't make insulin fast enough to, that's where you get that sugar crash and you can't get your energy back up. It's because you just had an insulin dump. My, my daughter literally did this on a walk the other day. We were on this massive hike outside of Yosemite. And she started off the day with like a, one of those little boxes of Fruit Loops. It's always hard. And challenging to get her to eat breakfast. Sure. Yep. Same and we kept kids. giving her other things. I cooked eggs. I did all this. That she wouldn't eat any of it. Well, she was kind of pretending to eat it. And then um, <laughs> she threw it away. And then later on, she, I can't remember. I think she, I, she, I had Pop Rocks. We had all these like great snacks for the trail. And she popped some Pop Rocks. And it wasn't long after that. Maybe 15 minutes later, she crashed hard, started having dry heaves, couldn't walk. She's 10. And when I said to her, well, what did you eat today? Like, I saw you eating Pop Rocks. Have, have you? And she said, nothing. And I said, well, babe, your your body just quit on you, you know, because she, she literally could not go any further. She was taxed. And I said, Mama, that's that's why you need 
you needed to have a granola bar. You need to have this. You needed this energy, you know? Yep. And uh, she, she learned the hard way. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing. It's eye opening. It's, you know, I, I think that the thing that, that keeps me going, there, there's lots of things that keep me going. Obviously wanting to be around for my kids. Uh, I also don't think, I don't think anybody wants to be unhealthy, right? I don't think right. anybody is like, I'm okay with being fat. I, I, I don't think anyone is at that point. Want me to love. Yeah, I know. Right. I, I think, what it is, and I'll honestly say this for me, I I was like, dude, I think I've jacked my body up so much, it's next to impossible for me to lose weight because I can be on a massive calorie reduction and exercise, and I still won't lose any weight. And that that's for years. That's been the thought yeah. in my head is I have so screwed my body up. It doesn't matter what I do. I can't lose weight. Right. What I didn't like when they know, say that you screw your your metabolism, you know, it, it your metabolism, yeah, yeah, how yeah. your body processes it. I right. mean, I've had medical problems, gallbladder removed, you know, all this other stuff, divertic, everything. Right. And and then all of a sudden changing what I ate and all of a sudden it's like, OK, now it doesn't matter how much I eat. I mean, I can eat a ton of food. And I am still losing weight like crazy. Right. It's because of what I'm eating. And so to go from that position of, I don't think I can lose weight. I'm too afraid to tell anyone this because it, it like, you know, I, I, I eat less. I'm exercising. Right. Nothing's happening. Right. To all of a sudden where it's like, wait a second. I'm never hungry. I always feel good. Uh. You know, um, I'm losing weight like crazy. I mean, I had to buy a whole new wardrobe, and I'm not even at my goal, but it's like everything else is just way too freaking big. I mean, it's like rad. massive big. So so I need to, I need to ask you, because I know people are listening, they're going, hey, so what did you start doing? So tell us a little bit about, how, you know, when this started, like, what did you do? What were the first steps, and where are you at now? So give us kind yeah. of like the journey. So, okay, well, when I started, um, and I would say it's it's been a... It's been a, a a long start, which is the way it is for some people, right? I mean, they, they take forever before things just all of a sudden click and you go, okay, this is what I'm doing. Um, the sooner you can get to the click, right, where you're like, okay, this I'm just changing it, period. That's all there is to it. The better off you'll be in the long run. So last summer, you know, like no one's happy being unfit, right? So... Uh, I've got an exercise bike here in my office and I'm like, all right, man, I'm exercising. So I'm on the exercise bike. I'm eating less. I know I'm eating less. I'm eating all the wrong crap, right? Um, when you eat starches, like my favorite food has got to be baked potato. And I don't eat that anymore because starches, it might as well be sugar because your body processes it so quickly. Like that's the problem with carbohydrates. Your body processes it so quickly. It might as well be sugar. And your body's just got to put it into fat. And that's what it takes it so long to, to lose weight. So, uh, but, you know, I didn't know this back then. And this is when I had, uh, and we probably talked about it on the podcast, but all of a sudden, man, my knee just blew up. And when I was in high school, I had knee surgeries. I got this condition called osteochondritis. Part of the bone dies and breaks off. And I was told in high school, hey, by the time you're 40, you'll probably have a total knee replacement. So the fact that I was 42, hadn't had a knee replacement, 
I'm thinking, okay, I'm just due. I just, you know, basically sit around. That's why I was able to squeeze out a couple extra years. That was the thinking when I was in high school. Now they want you to still wait even longer before you have a knee replacement. Um, so I go see the doctor because I literally cannot walk. I can't stand. I mean, I'd never been in so much pain in all my life. Um, go to the, the, the specialist. You know, she looks at everything. And she's like, well, yeah, you got osteochondritis. I can see that on your x-rays. She goes, but you also have osteoarthritis, which I just didn't know I had arthritis in my knee. Like, I didn't I didn't know that that's like a natural thing when you got a jacked up knee like I got. Because I'm not a medical guy, right? Mm. That's not the world I operate yeah. in. You're a nurse. You would know that. I don't. Right. So I basically uh, couldn't do anything. And so that that derailed me, right? That derailed me from doing everything. Because I couldn't get on the exercise bike, and I'm, you know, thinking, okay, the exercise bike is what caused it. Um, so uh, cut to it was either March or April of this year. It's like, okay, I'm going to get in shape again. So I'm on the exercise bike, and I'm eating less, and I don't know how much I weigh because I didn't weigh myself at the beginning, but I can tell you I was probably 295 to 300. Um, I always assumed I was at 300. Uh, you know, there reaches a point where you're fat, you know, you're fat. It's like, why do I need to jump on the scale to tell me how fat I am? I, I know I'm fat. I, I know I'm out of shape, right? That's just right. the way it is. Um, so I don't know exactly what it was when I started. So the number I use is 295. I'm like, I was probably at 295. I know when I went to the doctor, I was, you know, uh, 292 and that was a year and a half before. And, um, so, I'm exercising, I'm eating less, and I start to to have re- results, right? I start to lose weight, and I know I'm losing weight. And um, I started weighing myself probably when I was down to 283, 284, 285, somewhere in that range. And I, and I remember I went to um, that, uh, that big $25,000 event um, in, uh, I think it was May. I think May was the one I went to. And I was like 275 when I went there. And I remember like it being a big deal to me because I had to buy a new belt while I was at the event. Like I ran out of rungs on my belt and I didn't have time to drill some new holes in it before I went. Right. And so I wasn't wearing a gun, which if you listen to the podcast long enough, you know, I wear a gun most of the time and I couldn't wear a gun because I had to like speak in front of everyone. I don't want now, to- this is a concealed gun, everyone. Uh, well, yeah, but Pete it's Arizona not running around like Yosemite Sam. It was Arizona, so it doesn't matter. Like it could be open carry if you want out there. Those, those are my peeps out there, and uh, but I just I was like you know there's a lot of liberals here. I don't want to scare them all, so I, like right. I didn't want to wear one. So I had to literally run to Walmart one night and buy a belt so that way my my pants would stay up. So I mean that's encouraging, right? And little successes like that, there that's what encourages you to keep going. And then I hit this plateau where I'm like, dude, how am I not losing weight? I am totally in a calorie deficit. I am totally working out and I am not going anywhere. It is not going down. And so this is, uh, you know, beginning of June. And I watched this documentary fed up. And that was the one that first opened my eyes to sugar and starches and what that's doing to my body and the whole calorie in calorie out myth. That's just frankly, not true. Not, not true at all. And I was like, and the movie fed up is like, here's the problem. And there's no solution presented in the movie. So I go on the website 
you know, and I, I read this, okay, this one guy's got a book called the uh, 10 day detox and it's, you know, a sugar detox. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna read this book. So I read the book. Turns out he's the guy who did the Daniel plan with Rick Warren, which we talked about. Right. And I'm like, I can do this. I, I can, I can cut this stuff out and let me see what happens. So I went through two days of headaches, which I learned was the addiction to sugar, um, that I would probably go through this. And then your body is, you know, weaned off sugar. It's not like a crack addiction where it takes a lot longer and it's a lot more painful, but you will go through headaches when you go through a, a sugar withdrawal. And, um, and man, that's when the weight started melting off, like just was not difficult at all for it to melt off. And so I started reading lots of different books and everyone's got their own opinion. And I think the reason why they all got their own opinion is because everybody's body is different. And everybody's body is going to react differently. And so I do think you got to kind of test things to find out, okay, what, what works really well with your composition, your makeup, how your body's functioning. Right. And, um, and I think the ones that recently just like blew my mind that was like, what is going on is when I started reading uh, about uh, incorporating fasting in with uh, a good diet. And... Um, and this one medical doctor's incredible success in reversing diabetes, type 2 diabetes. Like, the one thing I've always been told is once you get diabetes, forget it. You know, you're right. going to die from complications from it. That's why men in my family don't live past 72. We all get diabetes. We all die. And to find out, well, it doesn't have to be that way. Like, you right. can actually reverse it if you have it. Um and if you you don't have a like I I don't have type two diabetes, and there are things that I can do to make sure that I don't get it. And a, a part of that does require proper diet and fasting. Of course, they're big fans of the ketogenic diet, which apparently, uh, my parents had gone through some seminars on that when my dad first got diagnosed with diabetes. And that's one of the reasons why his numbers stayed as low as they did because they had changed their diet dramatically. And, right. and then, of course, they didn't after a while. And I think part right. of it is lifestyle. Part of it is probably not understanding everything that we do today with the studies that have been done over the last, uh, you know, 30 years uh, that, that he's had diabetes. And, um, and so, you know, that, that was the journey. But it's like now I'm at two, like this morning, I weighed in at 243.4. And it's like. Sweet man, I remember in college yeah, I was two twenty. Now at two twenty, I was still lifting weights, so I didn't look like two twenty. Like I was a weightlifter back then. But I'm like, dude, I will make, you know, probably two hundred, maybe one ninety by the end of the year, and I I don't right. feel bad. And like like right now, I'm on hour probably forty of a fast. Right. I'm not hungry. Like I haven't been hungry the whole forty hours what, of no how, what eating. What kind of fast are you doing? Uh, basic water fast. Okay. Oh. So, you know, I'm not eating. I'm basically not eating any food. And I will have, like, basically I have no calorie drinks. Like, I'll have coffee. So, I would have tea, but I'm not I'm not a tea so drinker. What, so what people don't understand is a lot of our security comes from eating or feeling full. And different cultures do this differently. So, like, um, in one of the things that you'll notice in America is we value, oh, value for money and a big portion. And, you know, and, and, and we value that, right? And 
you know, in, in the olden days, I mean, you would eat a, a really big breakfast if you're working on a farm and, you know, yada, yada. But for our jobs today, you know, we still kind of have carried over these like working man's portions to, um, you know, now. And, and in Britain, like it's it's worse. So in Britain, if you're not constantly full, you're hungry. Mm. If you don't constantly have the feeling of fullness, so you're constantly eating over there. And, and, and so what people don't realize is that a lot, and I'm not I'm making a blanket statement about a whole country. That's not true of everybody, but it's a cultural thing, you know, that you're always, people say, Oh, I'm hungry. And you will have just eaten. Like, particularly you notice this when you go on um, holiday with other, other people, you start really picking up because we're Americans. We knew our habits, but, um, but if you, if you fall in with other people and you start eating according to the way they're eating, you, you know, you start, so 12 years there, we learned that if you're, if you're just starting to feel a little peckish, not completely full, you, you eat again. Mm. And, and that leads to a lot of, uh, gross overweightness. And so, um, you know, the, 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 where this starts is mentally, like you have to change your mind. It's like with anything, like repentance means to change yep. the mind. You start with changing your mindset. Like um, there was a guy I saw, he, he, he was on YouTube, and he shared about how he, um, he just told himself, you're not that guy that needs to eat the same time as anyone else anymore. He just told himself that. And so he said, I'd walk by people eating or I'd see others and I'd think, oh, I'm not that guy. I'm not the guy that needs to eat as much as I used to. And he told himself that I think he started off telling himself he would eat half the amount, or and it, and it really became fasting. It, it was all about fasting. And what he did is he, um, he, he said that fasting is all about what you do in the mind and that, that your mindset um, is more important because you think to yourself, you're scared. I, I, I can't go that long. I can't. Like yeah. everyone who thinks about 40-hour 40, 40 fast, what you just said, I'm hour 40, people start freaking out. I can't. I don't think I can do that. I don't know how... You can. You totally can. And you need to tell yourself. You're well, I think it also this. takes, like, this isn't the first one. Like, on the last episode, you know, I mentioned I've done a couple of 24-hour fasts. Like, the the first fast I did was 24 hours. Well, it was 28. I wanted to go for 36. Basically, I wanted to, you know, dinner one night, and then the next day, nothing, and then the first meal the next day, like 36-hour fast. Right. And I couldn't because by hour 28, I was starting to feel nauseous. I had a couple pieces of toast and then I was fine. And then I could, you know, make it until the next day when I ate. But because I did that, I was like, I can keep doing this. Right. And then I did another one that was 24 hours and it was like no problem. Like I, I wasn't even hungry. And then, um, and then I was like, okay, I can do a 36. I know I can now. Right. And I ended up doing, I don't know, I think it was like 42 that time. Because at 36, I was like, I don't need to eat. I don't feel hungry. And for me, I'm also looking at the health issues of what's called uh, insulin resistance, which is what your your right. your cells will build up. And because I've been so overweight for so long, I know I've got insulin resistance with my cells. And that's a contributing factor to right. diabetes. And I'm like, okay, so anytime I can fast, it's a good health thing for me to do because I'm giving my body a break. I'm giving my cells a break. And so now I do what's called intermittent fasting, which means 
uh, every day I will go 16 hours without eating and I'll eat in an eight hour window. So basically my dinner at night is the last time I eat and then I won't eat until 16 hours later. And that's a, a daily thing that I've just decided that's what I'm doing in my life. And for me, there are weight loss things that they say will help. Maybe they are, maybe there aren't. I don't think there's enough scientific studies on the intermittent fasting that says it's a direct link to weight loss, but there is a direct link to insulin resistance in your cells. And that's my health issue that I see as one of my health issues. So I'm like, anything I can do to help my, my cells lower that insulin resistance, I'm going to do. So that means, you know, 16 hours, no problem. And that's why, like, like yeah, for hour 42, whatever I'm at, I don't know what I'm at right now. Like, I know I'm going to go 48 hours because um, I'll probably have to eat tonight because Jamie and I are going out on a date. So then I got to oh, eat. Oh, yeah. Right. Ruin all the fun. Right. Ruin all the – because I was like – part of me is kind of like, dude, I wonder how long I could go. I mean, like, right. one, one book had me do the calculation – and I like calculated I have an extra 210,000 calories that I could burn because of my my excess weight that I have, which means I could go like months without eating and would be perfectly fine, right? And so your mind starts to go, man, I wonder how far I could go when I'm doing this. Because, yeah, it does seem overwhelming at first. And then like as you start doing it, like I didn't start off doing a 48-hour fast and I didn't start out doing a five-day fast. I'd like to one day get to there because I'm like, I know I could do it now. Like I've seen, okay, this isn't, this isn't a bad gig. This isn't, this isn't actually hard and it gets easier the more you do it. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the amazing thing too. So, you know, like your, your food that you were eating when you're eating food, that's what I want to hear. Cause I, uh, like, I know you were eating like tons of, um, Sweet potatoes. We well, now, around. yeah, yeah. Now I eat a lot but, of sweet potatoes, which isn't like I'm. I'm contemplating. I'm not just contemplating. I want to switch to a keto diet to see how I respond on a true ketogenic diet. Right. Um, so I haven't made that switch. And the main difference between the ketogenic diet and like my diet today is I wouldn't eat sweet potatoes and I wouldn't eat as many fruits as I've been eating uh, because of the sugar content in both of those. Right. Is the main reason they are they're right. like vegetables are, are carbohydrates, but most vegetables are not bad carbohydrates. Like broccoli is one of the best things you could eat. Like everybody across the board, you know, medical doctors, traditional medical doctors, nutritionists, they all say the same thing. Like broccoli is one of the best things you can eat um, on a ketogenic diet. Like the way that I make broccoli, because I've never been a big broccoli guy. Right. I basically saute it in avocado oil, and it's freaking delicious. Like, yeah. I love it. And so when you say you saute, for those of us that, that are not cooking savvy, that means you put it in a pan with a little bit of oil and fry it up? Fry it up. I put a little bit of minced garlic in there nice. and, uh, and avocado oil specifically um, or coconut oil. Those are two of your, your better oils. Olive yeah. oil is another one. uses both of those, actually. Yeah, great oils. Um the only one that you really want to stay away from when you're cooking is extra virgin olive oil uh, because the heat will actually change the fat into there into what's called omega-6, which is not right. so good for your body, not easy for it to, to digest. Um, but the omega-3 oils, avocado oil, um, olive oil, coconut oil, those are really good. 
And like on ketogenic diets, you can eat as much fat as you want. I mean, that's like the primary way that, that you eat nuts. Um, berries are, are uh, what I have been eating um, on a keto diet. I don't know that I'd eat as much. So probably what I'll do is um, since I got a glucose meter, I'll probably test myself after I have one of my uh, my shakes with the yeah. berries and nuts and seeds and stuff like that in it. Right. Uh, and just, I mean, the main thing uh, for me is I've cut out starches and sugars. Uh, right. Definitely additional sugars. Like additional sugars are out. I, I have had natural sugars in my fruits, my sweet potatoes, stuff like that. Um, when I go to a keto diet, I'll probably reduce those. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I baked potatoes, I don't eat them anymore. I, I just don't. Yeah. And I think, and I think after a while, you you lose the cravings for that. So for me, oh, do, I just totally. wanted to break the cycle of eating when I felt hungry. So I, yeah. what I did, a little bit different for me. Um, I don't remember what month I started this. It wasn't that many months ago, but it's made a huge difference. Um, I would start off a couple boiled eggs in the morning. That was it, right? And 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 I've I found like this isn't this isn't like. This is a good, like, two boiled eggs. There's a lot. There's enough for me to get by on that, you know? And I stop being hungry in between meals. I don't eat anything in between meals. I don't mm-hmm. snack. I've never been a big sugar dude, so I don't, you know, the worst thing for sugar for me was beer. So, you know, the and, and even that, like, was limited, you know? Like, how many beers I'd have a week, you know? Or how many times i drink a week. Um, even right now, I'm contemplating, because, I've you know, since I've been, not working for Nam, I've gone back to maybe enjoying a couple drinks a week. But even now, I'm going. I don't know if I want to do that anymore. You know, um, not not sure. That's the best thing to put in my body. So it's kind of funny, you know. Um, but but the the idea of you know like so my rule for lunch is uh, vegetables. You know, anything with salad. And if I'm going to have protein, well, I had those eggs in the morning. I'll have some nuts or something with my salad, or maybe a little bit of cheese or something. But it's nothing. It's just primarily vegetables. And then at night, my wife cooks healthy. I just eat. So I'm not at the extent that you're at, but it's it's just observing good common sense and nutritional. You know, I like I used to study nutrition a lot and understand the basics. I'm not completely off carbs. I, I think God made us to eat carbs, but not the amount that we eat. You know, um, so, you know, it's, it's, you got to start somewhere, you know? And so for those of you guys are out there and you're like, oh man, I just, I'm caught up in so many bad habits. For me, it was just easy to just make things the same. So I went out and bought a bunch of stuff for making salad and, you know, and then the night, whatever my wife makes, and I'm just careful. Like if she makes something that I don't want to eat a bunch of, I take less of that and more of the other, you know? Right. And that's how it works for me. So, and I know we're running out of time here, but um, yeah, the only thing I'll know. say, the last comment I'll say on the snacking, that was a tough one for me. And uh, what I discovered in and all this, this you know, stuff that I've been studying, all the books I've been reading, and the documentaries I've been watching, and everything that I can absorb, because that's part of my my addictive personality, right? It's like yeah. when I'm into something, I'm really into it. Um, what I've discovered is like. When I I went through a time when I lost a lot of weight right before I got married. Right. And the general thinking and what everyone said is, okay, you have to always be eating basically five to six meals a day. 
uh, that keeps your metabolism up. And what we've discovered now is that, no, that's really bad for you because like in my case, that means your body is constantly dumping insulin to, to process that food. Like all right. food is going to create some level of insulin dump. It, it's all going to do it. Right. Just sugars and carbohydrate starches cause a much bigger insulin dump. So if you're constantly doing an insulin dump, that's why you know you you have weight that you can't ever get rid of. You have the type two diabetes that are out of control in this country, and so like you, I don't I don't snack anymore. Like once I learned that one, I was like, I'm not snacking. I will eat when it's meal time, and that's it. And if I'm still hungry, I'll have some water or I'll have a coffee. Because um, even the rumors about coffee being bad, it's not true. Like it's just not, and it's so like. You know, I'll have some water. I'll have some coffee, whatever, and I'm fine. That's why I don't snack. man. No, that's fantastic. That's really cool. Well, hey, guys, thanks for joining us for uh, our, our unplanned talk on health today. <laughs> and, um, Pete, thanks, man, for kind of opening up your the, the stuff that's working for you. And I agree with you on that water part. Like, that's a huge I, – I, I did mention I drink, uh, like, a ton of water. But while you're drinking all that water and, you know – uh, sauteing all that broccoli, you don't have time to handle all the things. <laughs> I love it, man. Plan. For your church plan, never gets old. Uh, however, we segue. It's, uh, no shame in how we segue. Uh, but you don't have time, Pete, to do all the things like do all the bookkeeping for your church on top of all your other preaching and pastorally duties involved with church planning. So, what do you do, Pete? You know, I'm so grateful that you ask, uh, Peyton, because what I do is I usually grab a salad. A uh, uh, nice little, uh, uh, you know, uh, low sugar dressing on it, and then I'll reach out to Josh Henry over at SimplifyChurch.com, and I'll say, "Hey, Josh, at SimplifyChurch.com, I need some help with payroll, with bookkeeping, with uh, being IRS compliant. Can you help me?" And you know what he says to me? He says, "Pass the salad, and yeah, I can help you." <laughs> That's amazing and fantastic. So uh, what was the name of that site again? Uh, SimplifyChurch.com. Dot com. All right. Well, guys, thanks for joining us today. We, uh, we hope that, if nothing else, man, you guys get a handle on some of your health issues, and that will prolong the amount of time that you get to run in this race. It'll also help you come in first. Paul said, when you're running a race, Run as if the only one to get the prize. And um, your body and your health and all those things, like John Wesley thought, are going to affect that stuff. So uh, we hope that hasn't been a waste of your time. We hope it's been something new and novel for you and maybe uh, in, in our wildest uh, hope of hope, something that's actually been helpful to you. Um, I can't stop hearing Pete say that he's he's never felt better in his life. And that right there is a huge incentive and motivator to anyone And, and I'm there. a faster gunslinger, which, you know. <laughs> Sold! <laughs> so, uh, guys, thanks for joining us today on the Church Planner Podcast. This has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you, if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going, eat what nobody's eating, and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, 
leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Thank you.